Hello, and welcome to the Farway Nearby. It's been a while. How have you been? Sit down and grab your favorite beverage and be prepared to catch up on things. As you may have heard from my solo show, Surely You Jest, which is now in its second season. Go ahead and check that out at syjpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, we've had a, a busy time here lately at uh, Chateau Star Sage. So we'll spend a few moments catching up. And uh, we have a special guest as well. I should note that the princess is out on sabbatical uh, just before the summer was ending. I got a little postcard in the mail letting me know that she's met a special someone. And uh, as uh, irony would have it, it happens to be a gentleman caller who is uh, of a foreign descent, uh, shall I say, a Greek shipping magnet? Ooh. And uh, I'll say nothing more than the return address of the postcard was the Cayman Islands. So, uh, lucky little miss there. We miss you, and we hope to hear from you soon. But, uh, you know, this, this carriage driving gig um, doesn't get too many customers. Or the contracts are far and few between. So, just hang tight, folks, and we should shall see uh, who will be joining us next. So uh, Hubby Billy and I had some company the other week. Uh, best friend Tommy, who you may have heard about before, he attended Farpoint Science Fiction Convention with Toppy Smelly and I. Uh, Billy had his friend Tommy over from the Great White North, and we went to a small town science fiction convention here in Oslo. And uh, we were treated to the entertainment of Star Trek celebrities, uh, Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and later on starred in such films as Pet Cemetery and Deep Impact, as well as we got to see Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager, who played Tuvok, who is also a director, producer, and a musician in his own time. So we had a nice little get-together and went into town for a little while, and we were joined by Mr. Toppy Smelly, who drove in from the Pickle Hollows, and we had a rather nice visit. Uh, one of the things that uh, so I was surprised with is when we were getting ready to uh, call it a night and come home, Toppy pulled out of his trunk a pleasant surprise. He had part of a suit of armor that he had found at Cromwell. And uh, I was rather delighted because Hubby and I had just recently spent the evening of our wedding anniversary at a uh, an old style bed and breakfast. It was originally an old army fort, a national guard outpost. And it's actually the only one in New York state that's been sold to a private owner. And this gentleman 
saw the vastness that is the auditorium, which a lot of armories are just simply a uh, facility for the the um, military to do their their training exercises. He saw the great space that was the auditorium inside this armory, and it already had some Victorian-era architecture. So uh, he decided to turn that into a castle. And you can find more information about that by searching the term Amsterdam, just like the city in Europe, Amsterdam Castle, New York. And uh, it is a beautiful place, just a, a few guest rooms, fairly modern. But he took the great auditorium and built his hotel rooms inside that, leaving a long and tall hallway fit for a formal ball. So guests can enjoy breakfast and see the gallery of art that is just covering the walls and the owner shared a very endearing story about how his favorite piece of artwork, which was uh, next to the check-in desk, had been a gift from his father. In fact, it was his first gift of art to him when he started collecting as a young man. So, uh, wonderful weekend. And both Tommy and Toppy came by Chateau Star Sage just in time to enjoy a movie on our new home theater setup. Some of you may remember me saying that uh, Hubby Billy's first job out of school was that he worked at a movie theater, and uh, he's had an interest in that ever since. But in only more recent years did he find out that you can find all sorts of deals online, including a, uh, a business-style projector and uh, a screen. So now we have an eight foot uh, movie screen in our living room. So we watched a movie together and uh, it uh, sort of inspired Toppy and I. And we will be revealing a new podcast that will be live on Univaz Friday nights at 8 p.m. We're calling it Matinee Minutia. We're going to be talking about different TV shows and movies from any decade you please, and some of the uh, hidden trivia that most people may not necessarily know about their favorite shows. So look out for that on Univaz at univazpods.net. Okay, so that brings us up to uh, the last couple of weeks here. And uh, without further ado, why uh, I'm just riding along here in the park and uh, giving the horses some exercise. The the horses' names, you ask? Why? Well, they're Laurel and Hardy, of course. But uh, I digress. Why, well, look, up ahead, there, there seems to be a gentleman who's uh, looking for a ride. Perhaps we should pull over here and, and see what he'd like. Uh, hello, sir. Uh were you uh, interested in a ride this evening? But of course. All right. Well, we'll just climb aboard here. For those of you who may not recognize the dulcet tones, today we have the pleasure of David, that blue jeans guys from the Denims. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? 
I'm doing pretty good. We're going to just trot along here in the park. It's a beautiful evening for a ride. And I've got a few questions for you, kind sir. So, uh, okay. Okay. So, uh, I've been a listener of that Blue Jeans guy for a while now. And I had some things that were just on my mind. So, I figured I'd go ahead and ask you why I have you as my captive audience. Oh, and um, mind the sugar cubes. The the horses shouldn't have too many. They are due for their dinner soon. Okay. All oh. right. So, I might help myself to one or two myself, though. Oh, please. Hope you don't mind. And uh, be careful with the pot of tea. It is fresh, but, uh, you know, as the carriage does jiggle from time to time, you might spill. Yeah, okay. I'll try to be careful with my liquids there. Okay. So you mentioned you're originally from Tennessee. Yeah. Did you have fall weather there? Because I know that's fairly close to the part of the country that some of us call the Mason-Dixon line. Yes. We're actually below the Mason-Dixon line. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did the the uh, seasons change there? Did you have fall leaves and do you have the, the bright colors? Oh, beautiful. Uh, because where I'm from is um, it's actually part of the Appalachian mountain chain. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Specifically, uh, it's like a subset of it called the Unaka Mountains. And we have plenty of deciduous trees, which, of course, are the ones that actually change colors. And beautiful fall colors this time of year. I mean, you know, you'd have the evergreens, but you'd also have maples or whatever else. So uh, you'd have a very nice palette of everything from red to orange to yellow to green. And, um, of course, you know, at some point it all turns brown, but... Uh, yes, I, I grew up with um, beautiful colors. Excellent. Now, I I grew up in the Northeast, and even though uh, my uh, advancing, well, not really far advancing years, but my years thus far have taken me to different corners of the country, uh, I have a lot of fun memories of growing up where the leaves did change. And um, in uh, closer into high school, uh, there was a story that just captivated my heart, and it took place, I think, not far from your home state there. Um, the story was a Jody. well, it was later turned into a film starring Jodie Foster, who is one mm-hmm. of my favorite actresses. But, of course, it was Nell, and um, that was filmed in, I do believe, the westernmost parts of the state of North Carolina. Um, I think it's called Nantahala National Park, but... What you're describing to me sounds very much like what I saw in the film Nell. So for those of you who may not live in parts where the the leaves change color, you'll get a nice taste of that if you could dig up a copy of Nell. And not only do you get to see Jodie Foster in that, but you also get to see Liam Neeson and sadly now his his late wife. But uh, rumor has it that was the movie that they met during. I know what took me from my home state. Uh, Basically, after two years of college, I decided that I wasn't getting a degree and that I should just, uh, you know, clamp down and get a job and uh, maybe explore some life. But uh, what age did you leave your home state and what was your motivation? Okay, well, I left Tennessee right after I turned 30. Um, and the motivation at the time was a job transfer. Uh, I used to manage a, um, a record music kind of store Mm -hmm. and, um, excuse me, the, um, the, the original company, 
I worked for uh, was based out of Nashville. And um, basically, after I went through the management training program, they uh, they told usually you know once you finish they they to let you know what story you're going to get placed in uh you usually don't have too many choices um and i uh was transferred to a store in birch run michigan and to give you an idea birch run is almost equal distance between flint and saginaw right off of i-75 the uh it's in an outlet mall there that is actually one of the busiest outlet malls um in Michigan, and at one time had the distinction of being the busiest exit off of I-75. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 pretty sizable, uh, pretty sizable mall, uh, and um, we, we were there uh, for, basically, I was just told I was moving to Birch Run, Michigan, you know, and uh, that's where I got there and just basically stayed mostly because I'd gotten into a relationship because I growing, having grown up in Tennessee, I did not relish the idea of moving to Michigan because Michigan actually has winter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Coming from a larger state, you probably have to explain roundabouts where you are quite often. Yeah. I know that being from New York, everyone's like, Oh, you're from the city. Um, No, I'm from the part with cows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, and I usually have to explain to people that I don't live in Detroit, oh. uh, that I'm actually north of Detroit. Since you did experience fall growing up in Tennessee, what are some of your most favorite memories of fall? Maybe even growing up during the fall? Um, honestly, probably my favorite memory would just be Halloween because I am more of a spring summer kind of person, uh, just because I tend to like warm temperatures better. Um, Growing up, I always had a problem with with getting cold very easily. It's not as much of a problem now, um, but I would say uh, the the colors were kind of nice. Uh, Halloween was definitely nice, just getting to trick or treat, and um, that was really and like homecoming. You know, when you when you have your football homecoming, mm-hmm. uh, just getting to see that. And um, in high school, I was with the band for three years uh and that was always fun too getting to march and going to our our tournaments and uh doing however we did there so those were kind of my favorite times what instrument did you play in the band i played the clarinet oh okay of course in a small town and i guess any town one of the issues of learning to play an instrument is how your parents are going to come by that you know you have to have a rental you know somebody that owns one Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, uh, neither was going to happen, but my sister's ex-boyfriend had a coronet. Now, some people may not know the difference, but a trumpet is often brass in color and a coronet is silvery. There are some minor differences other than that, but uh, I was lucky that my sister was able to arrange for me to borrow her late or her ex-boyfriend's coronet and i just saw that instrument for the first time in more than a decade and his son is now playing it supposedly oh okay nice so a nice little uh you know surprise from the past there yeah okay yeah i my now my story was yes i i borrowed it from a relative my aunt uh, my youngest aunt 
had played clarinet in a high school band, and I was able to borrow hers. Now, the, it was just kind of nice giving the clarinet um, some use because she hadn't used it for many years. And, um, yeah, we um, so, yeah borrowed it from her, and then actually after I used it, uh, one of the cousins uh, borrowed it basically for when she was in band. Oh, so, so. It, it's been kept in the family. It's sort of an heirloom. Pretty much, pretty much. I always said if if there was ever anything I wanted from you know that, I would like to actually have that clarinet again. Yeah, you started podcasting before you met your husband. How mm-hmm. long have you been recording now? I have been recording since February twenty third of two thousand six. Oh, so a while now. And uh, what got you interested in the beginning? And who were some of the folks that you listened to then? Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, what got me interested was, you know, hearing other LGBTQ podcasts, really more the, the G at the time. Um, and some of the people that I was listening to, uh, uh, Feast of Fools was one of them. They're now known as Feast of Fun. Um, I, I had started listening to Ramble Redhead. He started his podcast about three months before mine. I think it was. He'll kill me for not remembering, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it was one called My Gay Life, which is no longer in, in um, production. Um, uh, I did listen to Archer. Uh, I did listen to, God, I'm trying to think. There was a whole bunch of them that unfortunately no longer exist. Uh, there were several. Chicago kind of was like the the hotbed of podcasting for a while because you had Feast of Fools, you had Madge Weinstein with Yeast Radio, um, you had My Gay Life, um, and you had a few others like that. But I also listened to um, Democracy Now!, which I still listen to, uh, which is a news podcast. And uh, it's actually the, the podcast version of their uh, news program. Besides that, uh, there was also one that used to be um, on called the, uh, the Gay Christian Network. Uh, GCN podcast. It was for basically what it says: guys who were Christian, well, gay LGBT people who also happen to be Christian. And then there was another one that I listened to, and I don't remember what it was called. It's another uh, gay Christian podcast. So, kind of a smattering of a little bit of everything. And um, you know, as podcasts would come and go, I'd add and subtract, and uh, getting involved with Pride Forty. Well. Before Pride 48 was Archer's gangbang shows, mm-hmm. which I know he just did one at, at uh, New Orleans. That's really how I started getting into the network of knowing other LGBTQ podcasters and then, you know, tuning into their shows. Um, I think out of that group, let's see, Archer's still around, Foul Monkeys are still around, uh, Sater is still around. And that's kind of it, because, yeah. Uh, there were so many others that I listened to, and most of them have, have uh, completely pod faded now. It's kind of uh, sad. So turning this back onto the, the uh, subjects of the season. Yes. So September, which uh, we're a little further than I'd like to be in it. I, I can't uh, tell you how frustrated I was to turn that page because I wasn't ready for summer to be this close to being over. Mm. <laughs> but uh, it's back to school for a lot of folks. And even if you're not, you don't have little ones in school, 
oftentimes you're affected like me when you're in your morning commute and you remember, oh, yeah, I got to leave the house 15 minutes early because there's school buses. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, on that note, what was your favorite subject in school? I know you already mentioned you were in band, but was Mm -hmm. there a favorite class that uh, you enjoyed the most? I really enjoyed my science classes and um, I, the math classes kind of, sort of, but the things that I really loved were like my last two years of English. Uh, I had the same teacher for uh, my, my junior and senior years and uh, she was a flower child who still very much had the attitude, but learned how to blend in. Uh, looks wise she she was she dressed appropriately for, appropriately quote unquote for being a teacher uh, but certainly still had the radical mindset and uh, she really made um, English fun mm-hmm. uh, she was the kind where she got really analytical with stories she was really big into symbolism um, and um, you know, diving into character names and everything. She's just like everything that an author has done or poet or playwright or whatever. It's not by accident. that They choose the names, they choose the situations, they choose the conflicts or whatever. And you would thoroughly analyze this stuff with just the idea of trying to even deep dive into what, what, what was not only on the, you know, the words that you see on the page, but going underneath to what was the author or, you know, whatever, uh, what were they trying to say to all of humanity? Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I said, just radical stuff. She always encouraged, uh, debate in class. And, uh, she used to actually love it when, uh, when she, when an argument would break out in class, she'd actually start laughing a little bit because she knew that this was basically, we were beginning to really think. Um, I remember she actually had a, a Doonesbury ca- a cartoon posted up in her classroom where um, this teacher is, is, you know, talking with the students and just sees them writing down. And right in the middle of the student just pops up and asks some kind of a question just out of wall, you know, just out of the blue kind of question. And he goes, my God, a student actually lives. I thought all of you were just stenographers. I, I, I can't believe this. And then you see him, he's like kneeling in front of the student at his desk saying, where'd you come from, please? Don't be frightened. I, I, you're, you're okay. And the student's like, am I in trouble or something, man? <laughs> and it was just kind of her, uh, her thing that she wanted to be that kind of teacher where, you know, she would be surprised, you know, when people started speaking up. But, um, you know, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, English was one of my favorite classes, too. And uh, on the same note... If you like this show, head on over to the Voice of Geeks Network at vognetwork.com. We'll find shows like Ranger Pride, which talks about my favorite childhood show, Power Rangers, as well as the Geek Cards, where you can immerse yourself in geek culture at vognetwork.com. Character. Uh, my English teacher was quite a character also, and one of the few things that I remember about her is that she used to tease this one girl in my class. Uh, and this was, you know, when we were getting close to being seniors. So we, in theory, should have been thinking about what schools we wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And 
this one young lady in my class wanted to go to somewhere in West Virginia. But um, my English teacher, who probably wanted to encourage her to go to more of an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. said to her, there's no such place as West Virginia. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, you know, it might be a Southern joke, too, because I know that West Virginia hasn't always existed. It was, you know, um, divided right. from the state later on. But anyways. Yeah. When you were in school, aside from band, were you in any social clubs? Like, were you in yearbook or AV club? No, unfortunately, I was not in any of those. Uh, I was in speech club um, and was in drama club only in name. I never actually participated in any of the plays because once I started working, uh, it took up a lot of my, my time. But speech was pretty much it in drama. And uh, I was in like um, a sad students against drunk driving and just say no, which will definitely tell you when I was in high school. Uh, oh. Because just say no was, was uh, a new thing at that time. I think that I, you and I aren't too far apart on that journey there because I remember those days too. Yeah. <laughs> See, you mentioned working when you were in school and I uh, mm-hmm. have I wonder, do you come from a big family? Are you the oldest or the middle child? Or I was the firstborn, and uh, I have one younger brother. Uh, so it was basically just the four of us, plus you know, cats and dogs and and a and a duck at one point. So just pets. Uh, but yeah, I now my father's family. Uh, there were five kids in that family, uh, so we were considerably scaled down from there. Hmm. I did actually work. At, I worked at McDonald's, uh, the only one in the town, and um, did that basically from uh, as soon as I could legally work, which I think would have been fifth, no, sixteen, because I was actually driving all the way through high school. Now, did you have since you were working and driving at sixteen? Did you have to have one of those uh, special licenses or something that lets you drive after dark? Actually, not. No, at the time in Tennessee, and it's changed since then, uh, you got licensed at 16, you were turned loose. Oh. There was no probate. The only probationary period that ever happened is at 15, you would get a learner's permit. And you. there also was no mandatory driver's ed at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So when you got a learner's permit, it, you you had to have a licensed driver in the car with you when you were driving. Uh, but at 16, you took your test, your written test, you took your road test and you were turned loose. I mean, I had only a Ford Escort or a Ford courier truck, so I did not have something high powered, but I had friends who had Fieros, uh, Pontiac Firebirds, um, Camaros, uh, nobody had a Corvette, thankfully, but, uh, there were, let's just say the Chevrolet dealership in our town had a lot of business from our high school because you also had parents with more money than sense and they were trying to outdo each other on what kind of performance car they could put their high school student into. Sounds like everybody else had a date night car. <laughs> oh, that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. But like I said, I had my good old 1982 Ford Escort and my 1970, whatever, I don't even remember, Ford Courier truck. So, yeah, my, my parents didn't have the money and had a lot more common sense than to turn their young son over, you know, loose with something that, you know, 
had way more horsepower than the amount of brains that, that I had at that moment. And I'm grateful for that. <laughs> my, my sister, my eldest sister, who I call Ronnie, she also worked at McDonald's as her first job. And I remember when she got her first car, mm-hmm. they bought it from one of our teachers at school. And this thing had probably been out in a field for a while because the floorboards were rusted through. Oh, wow. But my brother had friends in, uh, you know, auto body. So he oh, put okay. a couple of panels and she had one of those Ford Pinto hatchbacks that had the, uh, you know, the safety recall on the gas tanks. Oh, yeah. When she was ready for her second car, I remember being just old enough that she gave me one of the window cranks as a souvenir. And I asked her if she wanted it back. And she's like, no, it doesn't need it. <laughs> 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 oh boy on a slightly different note on the note of being an animal lover did you grow up with pets did your oh husband, yeah you did too and uh, did your husband oh yes oh, yes and so i know that you're living in an apartment now but i i know you've mentioned um you know sitting for friends pets when they've been mm-hmm. out on vacations and whatnot, is is that something you're considering when your living situation has changed? Oh yes, uh, Paul is so chomping at the bit to have a dog. Actually, he wants two dogs. He wants uh, his breed of of preference is a golden retriever because that's what he grew up with mostly, uh-huh. uh, goldens and and uh, labs, and um, I I. I kind of like a golden retriever, but you know, sitting for that friend of mine's dogs, he had two black labs mm-hmm. and I just totally fell in love with that breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just, they're big and they're goofy and they're just so loving. And, um, the, the one that attached himself to me just really sold me on the breed. So, um, as we have been house hunting, uh, the one thing that Paul always checks for is how fenced in is the art. Mm-hmm. And is it possible to fence it in or, you know, are we going to have to make sure they go out on a leash? Um, so that's, but yeah, I, I, I told him before, um, you know, I'm fine with the dogs as long as, you know, we can afford them. I said, but I definitely want a cat because something has to keep them in line. <laughs> that's the as, way it is in our household. Yes. So there, you know, there has to be something that keeps the dogs from getting a little too, you know, uh, rambunctious. Beca- and usually a cat is really good at doing that. Yeah, I, I tend to think of a cat as a butler of the house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh-huh. Okay, well, earlier you mentioned not being so fond of the cold, that it's not bothering you as much more recently. But you have talked about part of your house hunting journey taking you to the south or at least eventually has your uh, outlook on that changed i know part of that had to do with both of your your lines of work uh or is that still a long-term goal i I think at some point yes we will probably move back south again just because um a lot of it you know is climate-based uh interestingly i mean paul grew up here and um he's used to the winters which honestly have have tapered off a lot i mean um there are pictures from michigan before where you came and see you know actually plow a sidewalk you came and see the house behind it um and the upper peninsula is still that bad but um we both agree that at some point it would be nice to move back to a warmer climate 
Uh, we were going to move to Myrtle Beach. Paul had an opportunity uh, to do with the church that we go to. There's another congregation in the Myrtle Beach area uh, that he was wanting to get into the ministry, and he was going to apprentice with this ministry. Well, after we did some fact-checking, we found out that the situation was not not something healthy for him to walk into. We set aside that idea. But in the end, we just looked at it and we said, you know, right now, <clears throat> it's just not the time. Right. And I, I think we can probably both agree that um, the fire aside, the situation with uh, Paul's uh, job opportunity there, everything mm-hmm. happens for a reason because, yeah. you know, I, I grew up within an hour and a half from my husband, but mm-hmm. we didn't meet until I moved back home to be near my mom who was in her last years. Okay. And Ironically enough, my husband was only where he was, which was a small town my grandparents had lived in when I was little. Mm -hmm. It was only there because his ex's job had taken them there. Oh, Hmm. so considering the uh, the interests that we both have in common, and since neither of our dads are with us any longer, we joke that they probably arranged it all in the hereafter. That's very possible. Very possible. <laughs> Earlier, I mentioned a, a movie that puts me in the mood for fall because we were talking about fall. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, do you have a favorite movie or a TV show that involves fall that you like to watch at this time of year? One of my other favorite movies was actually basically set over the course of a basically summer into fall, and that would be Love, Valor, Compassion. Okay. Because uh, they, they kind of go from summer into fall. Right. Uh, and the latter half of the movie is set in that. Um and it's one I haven't seen in a while because uh, I only had a copy on video cassette, and I guess because of music licensing, they can't put it on DVD anymore. Um, and they can't definitely can't put it on Blu-ray. I wish they could. Um, so there's that one, and uh, I, it's been one of my favorite movies just because of all the characters and all the interactions. And um, I was considered it the '90s answer to uh, the boys in the band. Everyone who's in the movie except for uh, Jason Alexander, did the roles and originated the roles on Broadway. Um, And when they were doing the film version, Nathan Lane at the time was, well, as in the closet as he could ever possibly be. Mm -hmm. And he had just done uh, Jeffrey and did not want to take on another gay role because he didn't want, he wasn't comfortable being out yet. And he didn't want, I guess he he said he didn't want the questions at the time. So, Jason Alexander came in, did the role, and he did it beautifully. I mean, you could tell he really had studied Nathan Lane's interpretation of the character because there's you can definitely see how the two would have done the, the, the character almost exactly the same way. But I always like that movie just because, again, the, the camaraderie that's in there and yet some of the bitchiness that comes out and some of just the the relationship and you, you, you get a good sense of the, the history of the character's it was done at a time when, uh, because of the advances in drugs, HIV, being HIV positive and full-blown AIDS, was less of a death sentence, uh, really more when you're positive, than it was, you know, even a decade before that. Just the fact that these characters, you know, there's a couple of characters who are positive in the movie, uh, Nathan Lane's character being one, or you know, Jason Alexander's being one. And John Glover, who actually played a double role, 
as twin brothers, uh, the one twin is also positive. And just the fact that they could actually have a life. You know, it wasn't this thing of sell your life insurance policy, have a big blowout and die within, you know, six months of being diagnosed. Um, and just uh, just other things along the way, like the, 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 the ballet dance that they have where they, each one of them talks about how he passes. There's just, I, I, I love that, that heart in that movie. It got some criticism just because every movie adaptation of Broadway plays always gets criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did actually read the original book, um, there were some things that were changed. Some of it, some of it was based on like the original way that the house was supposed to be laid out when they were scouting for a location and they came across the house they used they, Everyone just looked at like, this is the house. And when they found it, it had an attic and they could, you know, dress it up, you know, as a dance studio, it was like, we have to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And it was other one other premise. There's basically the way that a conflict between two characters resolves that was kind of contrived, honestly, in the original play. But they resolve it completely different. Actually, it never really does resolve um, in the movie. And I think it was much more satisfactory. Uh, it just seemed like the the journey of that of that arc of that conflict finished too quickly and too conveniently. It was what's often called. They didn't have the Hollywood ending mm-hmm. in the movie version. So that's my Now, my other favorite one is Dirty Dancing. My connection to that movie is I have class high school classmates and actually the owner of the dance school where I took dance and her two daughters who were dance instructors were all extras in the movie. Hmm. Uh, it was all the dance sequences except for the one in the gazebo were filmed in Lake Lure, North Carolina. Speaking of movies filmed in North Carolina and all the exteriors where you see the, the Kellerman's resort were filmed in Virginia. So again, we're moving back to Virginia again. They had been invited over to some project, you know, they didn't even know what it was. Um, we'll kind of back up here for a second. The dance school had become known kind of nationally because they were doing dance competitions when they went to film the movie in Lake Lure, North Carolina, they found the number for the dance school owner and left a message on her answering machine saying, we're doing a film project in North Carolina. Um, If you're interested in this, please get your best dancers, bring them to here to audition. And they didn't say anything about what it was. So they, they get, you know, several of their dancers together and they drive over there, not having a clue what they were driving into. And the elder daughter was like, well, it's probably just going to be an instructional film or a documentary or something. I'm sure it's not going to be anything big. Well, they get there and they start seeing, you know, like Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Gray, all these other names. Uh, you know, people that have been big on Broadway, you know, before. Uh, I'm trying to think of the father right now. who He was on Law and Order. Like the the one who plays Baby's mother had been she originated the role of uh, a chorus line uh, while she's on Broadway. So big names. They saw all these names. They're like, uh, this is not a small thing. The same daughter that was trying to downplay it just went to every single one of them and said, "Just please, one of you get the audition. Please get on this thing." And as it turned out, they cast every single one of them, and they cast the mother and her two daughters as well and um i mean i found practically every single one of them in the film at some point or another yeah uh, 
Yeah, so it's kind of a cool little connection to the movie that, you know, people I went to school with or took dance with were part of a movie that basically became a cultural icon, really, uh, in the late 80s. So that that's my other one that I like so much. I mean, none of them are credited because they don't have a speaking role, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, for extras, unless they speak a line, they, they don't have to be credited. They get paid, of course. Oh, uh, so uh, quickly back to love, valor, compassion. I looked it up because I, I like, uh, I'm a fan of the underdog, you know, the, the mm-hmm. guy who's always in the B movie. And one of the actors in love, valor, compassion is John Glover. And yes. other people may know him from various things, but I remember him as Bill Murray's boss and Scrooged. And then oh. he was also the, the quirky, science guy that was in the gremlin sequel okay i didn't know that but uh, you know i like those little odd characters that stand out we'll we mm-hmm. will have imdb out and we'll watch a movie and we'd be like wait you know especially with disney movies it's like wasn't that person the housekeeper in this movie or that tv show <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes paul I, i'm the same way except usually i'm the imdb person paul Paul has come to understand that when I watch a movie on, on whenever we watch a movie together, mm-hmm. I will be pulling out IMDb and reading all the background stuff because <laughs> I just, I, I'm the person who will actually watch every damn extra on a DVD. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two couple of quick mentions while we're on the note of fall, couple of, uh, movie recommendations that I'm going to make for anybody who wants to get into the, the spirit of fall uh, as it were the 80s film that uh, was just basically a a romance of new england starring diane keaton baby boom oh okay and uh, that's just such a wonderful film because being it's set in the 80s it's all about a uh, a powerful woman in business and how her plan to be the boss came tumbling down when she was left a friend's baby, but lots of beautiful scenery in New England. It's almost like you're expecting Martha Stewart to be the neighbor. Mm. And the other movie that I really like, uh, which takes place earlier than that, was a movie with Alan Alda and Carol Burnett. It was called The Four Seasons. Okay. And I only remember that movie because uh, we only had basic cable as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, we only got to watch movies when there was a free preview weekend. Yeah. I remember that movie being on HBO. It seemed like every time there was a free preview. And I always cringed when the Mercedes was driving across the ice. And I think it might have been in Michigan. Could have been, yeah. I just remember seeing that beautiful car falling through as the ice cracked. <laughs> oh, I've never seen the other movie. So I, I, I can't. Oh, can't, I, yeah. I can't remember who else was in the cast of Baby Boom, but it, it's just a very charming movie because she falls in love with the little New England town that she ends up moving to because she obviously in her little New York Manhattan studio apartment, she doesn't have room for the baby in her. And right. she buys a farm and then eventually that ends up rolling into a, um, you know, a, a business venture because she decides the food that she's feeding her kid isn't good enough so she makes her own organic baby food oh okay but yeah i i just adored that movie because it's it's just like um you know it's like a postcard 
So, alrighty. Well, I hope you enjoyed the ride, folks. We're just going to pull up to the curb here. Mind your step there, sir. And uh, before we call it an evening, I have one question to ask of you, fine sir. Uh, All right. Since the faraway nearby is also a member of the Voice of Geeks Network at bognetwork.com, I have to ask you, do you have a favorite video game, and when did you last play one? Oh, see, my vi- favorite video game, I'm going to go really old school with this, it would be Pac-Man. Um, and the last time I played any video game, oh, I'm trying to think here. That ing- well, I used to have an Xbox system, and mm-hmm. um, I played, it was... I think it was Star Wars Jedi Academy okay. or something like that. So I had it on that. Uh, but I probably have played a, a random video game, you know, console system. But yeah, when I when I had the original Xbox, I had uh, Jedi Academy. So that would have been the last one. And that would have been early 2000s. Now, are you, are you one to have games on your phone for a distraction? Uh, yes, I, I do. Um, pretty much all the My Vegas games. Uh-huh. Um I have uh, Dice with Buddies, and I have uh, Lucky Day, which is a scratch-off thing, and I have Lucktastic, which I'm about to kick to the curb because it's too. There's too many ads in it now. Ah, uh. <laughs> yeah. So those are, and, and of course, I have Tetris. I mean, who doesn't? Right. And uh, Mahjong. Mm-hmm. I have one of the Mahjong games. Oh, well, we've had a fun visit with you, sir. Thanks for dropping by, and before we. Uh, run on off down the lane here for the uh, the horsies to get their dinner. Let our listeners know where they can find you, if you would. I would be glad to. Well, uh, the podcast is, of course, the Denims. I'm using the old That Blue Jeans Guy feed. So it's uh, thatbluejeansguy.libson.com uh, for the blog. And, uh, of course, you add an, a slash RSS for the RSS feed. Uh, we are listed on iTunes. We are also listed on uh, Google Play. And uh, I used to be part of Stitcher, but I haven't looked lately to see if we're actually uh, still in their their thing there. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me pretty much there. You can find us on Facebook, of course. Uh, there's a page for David, that blue jeans guy. And um, that's pretty much it. We're, I'm, we're, we're both on Twitter and we're also both on Facebook. And don't forget, you can also catch the Denims live on Tuesday nights at Pride 48. And uh, I do believe you said that's 10 p.m. Eastern? Yes, 10 p.m. Eastern Eastern on uh, yeah, Tuesday evening, right after Ramble Redhead when he does a show. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. This program can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. You can email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com tweet us on twitter at tfndj find our fan page on facebook and our companion blog on tumblr or text or leave a message at 720-230-6919 i have a voice i have a voice you have a voice you have a voice we have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net.